is Isaiah 12, 1 to 6. It can be found on page 642 in the Bibles next to your seats, as well as on the screen. This is God's word. In that day you will say, I will praise you, Lord. Although you were angry with me, your anger has turned away, and you have comforted me. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord, is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. In that day you will say, Give praise to the Lord, call on his name. Make known among the nations what he has done, and proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel among you. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Susie. I invite you to pray with me. Our God of grace, as we look to these words and as we come into this space, um, not always knowing each other very deeply, not always knowing, um, uh, not always knowing even ourselves as fully as we would like to know ourselves. We come from all different kinds of places, all different kinds of questions, and sometimes we are just confused. Sometimes we're deeply troubled. Sometimes we're asking questions that we've never asked before in our lives. And as, as very different people come into this room this morning from different kinds of experiences and moods and stories, the truth is that all of us on this planet are more of a mess than we care to admit. In the end, self-righteousness never satisfies as much as it promises. And in the end, the only path forward is to take a hard look at ourselves. And when we do that, we realize our great need for you. Or if we haven't yet, at some point in our lives, it will lead there. It will lead to the, the sense of not having enough in ourselves. And so we take great comfort, we take sweet comfort, knowing that the orientation of you, the maker of all things, your orientation towards us, is to move towards broken people over and over and over and over again with an unfailing love. That's what we need. Even if we don't know it this morning, that's what we need most. And will you bring that love to us, even now as we reflect on your scripture? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Every week we have a question of the week, and there is one that you can fill out in the worship guide. There's a tear-off card, and that's actually a way, I didn't mention that, that's a way we can get to know you, or follow up on a request that you might have, or a need you might have, so check out that tear-off card in the worship guide as a way to connect with us. The question of the week is in there. Last week's question went like this, what is your salvation, what is your self-salvation strategy? What's your self-salvation strategy? And here's a, couple, here's a few of the, of the answers. 
One person says, being right. It's, it's good to be honest, right? Being right. Someone else says, crushing the to-do list. I can relate to that one. Someone says, take a selfie in front of the Vatican. I don't know. That's our random one of the week. And someone else says, stay afloat in the, biz- in the busyness of life. Don't mess up. And then in a similar way, uh, from the movie, um, is it Nemo? From the new movie Nemo, Dory says, just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Self-salvation strategy. What's your self-salvation strategy? You know, the Christian, the Christian who understands the, the Christian story says that salvation and putting the word self attached to it is, is, is a conflict. It, it, that's can't, those two can't go together. There's no such thing as a self-salvation strategy. The Christian says salvation requires intervention. God must arrive from the outside and act on behalf. That's what, that's what we really need. And Isaiah 12, which we just read, is, is like a song of deliverance. There's, there's some... Isaiah is a very complicated book, but this part of it kind of soars past all the complexity with something that's a little easier to grasp hold of, um, easier to make sense of than a lot of what's around in the book of Isaiah. It's people voicing or, yeah, it's basically people voicing a response to the fact that God has intervened. He's arrived, and it's going to be okay. And in fact, not it's just, just that it's going to be okay. Singing, shouting, praising, excited. The, and the song intentionally connects, intentionally steals from the song that Moses and the Israelites sang after getting saved going through the Red Sea. And that story is that, is that the water... So, so we... I just said that salvation requires divine intervention. Nothing says that more than a giant body of water splits in half and so that people can get away from their enemy. And then just as the last person kind of steps out of the water and, and they all look back in fear to see that Pharaoh's army is coming through right after them, the water slams in on the army just in time. God intervened. God arrived. The impossible happened. We are saved. And they sing a song. They sing a song, and and this song of Isaiah 12 intentionally steals from that song, so there's a link saying, this is what it's like. This is how God works. He must intervene. He must truly intervene. We don't save ourselves. Um, And if if your game plan in life is a self-salvation strategy, sooner or later you're going to fall flat on your face. And... um, you'll be completely disoriented. It won't work. So, <clears throat> in a way, that's sort of like the, the overview baseline of what's happening in, in, in Isaiah 12. But I want to draw your attention to um, verses 4 and 5, where we read that, In that day you will say, Give praise to the Lord, call on his name, and then listen to this language in the next few, ver- few sentences. Make known among the nations what he has done and proclaim that his name is exalted. 
Sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. Now, my guess is that that's the theme. Did you catch some of the theme in there? My guess is it doesn't sit 100% well with us. Make known among the nations. Proclaim that his name is exalted. Let it be known to all the world. There's an unmistakable aspect of God's plan, unavoidable, that there's a spreading of the message. In fact, when, um, when God makes a covenant with Abraham, so that's an epic starting point in God renewing the broken world, making this covenant, Genesis chapter 12, and the specific words are that Abraham would be blessed. In fact, his, name's, his name hasn't even changed yet at that point. It's Abram. Abram will be blessed but it drives somewhere. It goes to the saying, and all people will be blessed through you. So the message is expanding. It's extending. And, and then Jesus, I mean, you could go on and on, but another marker is when Jesus is, ascends and he tells, gives kind of the last challenge to the disciples in Matthew 28 puts it as, go and make disciples of all nations. And then another wording in the book of, early part of the book of Acts before Jesus ascends um, you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, to Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So it's an unmistakable theme. It's an unavoidable theme that, that uh, Isaiah 12 is connecting us with. How does that theme feel in 2016 in Sacramento, <clears throat> um, downtown Sacramento, specifically, um, in your lives, with your family and friends and co-workers and neighbors, spreading the message of God's wonderful salvation deeds? How's that sit? When, when I came to, my wife and I moved to um, Sacramento in 2003, and one of the early things was to meet with people. Uh, we were going to start a church and meet with people to try to grasp the conversations that people are having. Where are people spiritually? What's happening? I remember one person I sat down with and um, he was being very polite and, and, you know, sitting down with me and answering my questions. At some point he felt like I was, um, I think, putting some pressure or I had invited him to something that was coming up that we were going to do, a discussion group. And he, he, he didn't mince words. He got very um, serious in fact, feisty and clear, and basically said, back off. I am not interested in your religion. <laughs> okay. I don't, I don't know if he said it exactly like that, but that is what I felt. That is what was clearly communicated. So on the one hand, there's, a, there's almost a hostility towards people going around, people who have experienced God's wonderfulness going around and making it known to others. There's also a bit of unfamiliarity as well. Um, I've experienced this over and over again um, and needing to even remind myself, even recently, of how much I forget that um, a lot of people have almost zero knowledge about things that people who maybe go to church all their life know about and think about in terms of the story of Christianity. So there's just less and less cultural familiarity. 
there was this kind of joking conversation that came up a few weeks back with someone that I know, and you know something about church was brought up humorously, and I kind of tried to go along with it humorously, say something about well, we should take an offering, and then all of a sudden I got this blank stare, not like the, the offended or anything, just like no clue, no context for what that even meant. For me, it's, it's kind of like, oh, I think most people know what that means, you know, pass around a collection plate in a church. And even explaining it, I still just got this blank look, just what? And then the reply, you don't do that in your church, do you? <laughs> like, well, yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah. Let me explain that some more. I don't know if you've ever had those, those exchanges, or if you're someone who yourself, you sit here and you don't know a whole lot about the Christian story, but let's, let's just be honest. There is a combination of hostility and unfamiliarity around um, around the issue of sharing what you believe, and it seems like treacherous terrain for anybody who dares to open their religious mouths. So if we're imagining God still uses people, if this is something still part of God's story, the making known among the nations what he has done, how are we going to even imagine this? Let's do business with some, some facts. Let's let city life be a place that's a thoughtful community and a realistic community about where we live and who these people are in our lives, whom we love, but who might not believe most or even all of what we believe spiritually. One fact, culture no longer provides a lot of information about the Christian story. One pastor I know has kind of charted this out and pointed it out in terms of the, you know, the songs that are about to come on in, in, during the holidays and has just pointed out this slow progression of there's, there's now really... The, the songs of the season no longer tell the story, uh, even verbally, about manger and Emmanuel and things that, Christ, that kind of anchor the Christian story. So there's less out there just about what this story is. It's just a fact. Let me, how about another fact? <clears throat> Especially people who, are, who, um, who live in church land need to hear this fact. Um, Tim Buchel <clears throat> um, wrote a PhD dissertation related to how people, um, how newer people come into the Christian faith. And he says that it usually takes five to eight years for someone who has never heard about Christ to come to faith in him. A lot of people don't have that realistic expectation about if there's some way that their faith connects with someone in their life, what that journey is going to look like. One of the things, one of the facts is that there's a time piece to that, that you're in it for the long haul. If you hope to somehow, somehow what you believe makes an impact on someone around you. That's just a fact. Five, think about that, five to eight years. Now let's just, another thing that's good for especially church people to hear is someone named... Um, Dayanand Bharati wrote this, this, um, this essay. It's called Living Water, an Indian Bowl, an analysis of Christian failings in communicating Christ to Hindus with suggestions towards improvement. Nice long title, but let me give you the gist of, of the quote I want to I point to. American evangelicals try to draw people up to their understanding rather than listening first to hear what someone might or might not understand about the gospel and start there. 
So a fact maybe is just um, people are in a place and it requires listening. And it might be a long journey of listening. So those are just some facts to bring into this conversation that's flowing out of Isaiah 12. And it also is flowing into a conversation we're having as a community where we're saying for 90 days, we're going to keep talking about and emphasizing and entering into this idea of extending the heart of Jesus to one person at a time. We've even, as a leadership team, we've been talking about this, brewing on this, and we've been leaking this concept slowly to you. And we've even, t- we've seen so much of, your, of, of people's um, uneasiness with where their mind goes with that along the lines of, am I going to be turning some, am I, are you telling me to turn people into a project in my life? That we've even changed some of the lingo and created this um, one-page resource sheet I'm going to send this around. Um, I'll give half to this side. There will be extras and half to this other side. So take one and pass it on. There's enough for everybody to have one. So as a leadership team, we kind of have been hearing what people have said as we've leaked this, and we've said we have to just be really careful and be helpful, um, even in our language, so that the language shifted a little bit. We were saying bring the welcome of Jesus to one person a month, and we identified that that brings a lot of people into a space that feels like you're turning people into a project to invite them, like welcome to church. And so we changed it to extending the heart of Jesus to one person at a time. We think that does a better job of getting you where um, our hearts are as we lead in this. And so let me just read a couple things about this off this piece of paper. How do we do this? How are we thinking about this? How are we still, in a sense, how are we still a part of what Isaiah 12 says? That God's making known something to others through, through us. So here's a couple things I want to read. In the middle of the first paragraph in green, during the, this 90-day focus, we, we ask not just who does, or for whom does city life exist, but for whom do I exist? What neighbors, friends, coworkers, and family give me opportunities to extend the heart of Jesus? We personally start praying and asking, where and how can I extend love, acceptance, care, or kindness to people in my life? Some of, some of you um, have had a difficult week with the election results. Not everyone's in the same place in terms of the election, but a lot of people I know have had a very difficult week um, I wonder if I wonder if part of moving forward for some of you is needing something very specific like this to focus on in your relationship with God and your world. Where and how can I extend love, acceptance, care, or kindness to people in my life? And then let me just read on because um, the leader, basically your leadership team really wanted me to point out these things as we launched this. Okay. A lot of people have baggage with religious people turning a friend or family member into a project, polluting relationships with religious agendas. I get an amen on that? (laughs) I know you guys. Please don't take any of this that way. Instead, we look to dig deep into the posture of our hearts 
by asking, what does it look like to truly extend love to some of the people who need it in my life, neighborhood, workplace, school? Actions will speak louder than words. How about this? We take our time helping build credibility for the gospel. That goes back to that top statement of the five-year vision. We take time helping build credibility for the gospel by what we do and say over the long haul in relationships. I like this part. Don't be creepy and treat people like a project. Rather, respect where they are in life and faith and extend the heart of Jesus with no strings attached. We are not emphasizing how can I get this person to go to my church this month, but instead what kind of role do I have today in a long journey that years from now leads to them knowing about God's grace? I wonder if that's something you can get behind, something that maybe meets you in your particular need in life right now, to have a sense of a calling on your life that's not just not from me or the leadership team, but from God. Is there a sense in which you hear God's voice in that and you want to begin a conversation with God and with a conversation that starts to open your eyes? Um... I know for me, it's been huge. I've been, we've, as a leadership team, have been starting doing this ourselves and talking about how it's going. I look at verse, uh, I think it's verse 3. Yeah, verse 3 of this very short verse in Isaiah 12, and it says, With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. A lot of times we talk about, even at City Life, we talk about Knowing God's grace is kind of like finding this well of good water and we've been drinking from polluted streams and it's, it's like all of a sudden we know where to go for the healing, life-giving water. Well, one person put it this way, um, grace, God's grace flows like water and it pools in the low spots. It pools up in the lowest places. As, I, as, um, as I've been doing this challenge of reorienting myself towards extending the heart of Jesus to those around me and starting to wonder who needs God's love, um, I have been, my eyes have been opened to an incredible amount of low spots that I've been seeing in people's lives around me. I could actually list a lot of them <clears throat> that, would, that are, you know, I could, I could point to a lot of them that I've heard in the city life community but let me, just, let me just allude to ones that, I've, that I can speak of completely out of si- outside of this church community. A 20-something who's daily wrestling with panic attacks. Low spot. A marriage um, that in the last four weeks has been um, on the utter brink of falling apart almost no hope. Um, someone about my age whose mom is uh, dealing with a really aggressive cancer and, um, and, and the whole family is having to deal with this way earlier than they ever imagined. Um, someone applying for an eighth, ninth, tenth job and interviews with still no callbacks. Someone with, um, someone with a work injury that suddenly came into their life a year and a half ago that has just 
set everything in a new direction and doors that were, the path that was going, that, w- that where life was going with family and kids and being a parent and, and, and career-wise, doors have come, walls have come and slammed in front of that journey suddenly. And recent medical reports tell this person that those walls are permanent. <clears throat> a second grader whose dad uh, about a week ago committed suicide. I mean, it, low spots, low spots, low spots. You can think of some. And is anybody, is there anyone that God has placed in your life that has low spots that they're encountering, that find themselves in a low space? Too often for many, many of us, and myself, I'll throw myself right in there, when someone's in one of those places, even if you have a relationship with them, a lot of times that's the very moment where you create a little distance because of, I don't know what, fears, awkwardness. You find out about something and it's almost like, oh, that's tough to deal with. I'm not sure, I don't have the words, I'm going to back off a little bit and hope that the next time I run into you, you say, everything tied up really nicely. We can just have normal superficial conversations again. What if, I mean, it's, these, these low spots are not the times to declare your beliefs to someone, right? I think you get that. But what if it was, was the time to draw closer, to offer something, to just, even just to ask more questions about what, what it feels like and to show just your genuine human concern for how crappy it is for that person's life right now. So that's what we're talking about. So you look at this, um, you look at this page, you take it home, you, re- you read it, and um, does anybody have a worship guide that they could hand me for a second because there's a prayer in there that I want to look at? Oh, thank you, Cindy. But now you can't take any more amazing notes. All right, all right. Thank you. Um, let me just say a couple of things about intentionality, um, about going about this. There you go. Um, one thing would be to incorporate, incorporate this process into your daily prayer and devotion life, your habits of devotion or your, your rule of life, whatever you call, you know, your daily office, whatever you call your interaction with scripture and prayer each day, incorporate this into that. Another thing is you might need to give it a focus so everybody will engage in this differently. I'm sometimes helped by just uh, some kind of specificity. So, you know, I've tried to think of who am I, who am I, praying for? What one person am I praying for this month and thinking about? Now that is a starting point, but for me, it, then immediately I begin to open my eyes to a lot of people, and it's not just turning one person into a project or a target of my love. But that something specific like that might help you. You know, this is, during this, this season, this focus, I'm going to focus on this one person, or I'm going to focus on this context in my life, and consider and pray about what God's doing. Another thing to, that I want to say, a specific thing, is don't go it alone. You know, walk with others, share with your pod leaders. 
share with your friends, talk about it, um, pray about it together. And then also the leadership team really wants to hear your stories. So um, Lori Rose, John and Katie Amadio, Jen Lee, P.C. Howe, and um, Dan Nelson are your leadership team. Talk to us. Share with us what your experiences are. You might have, this might bring up troubling things for you. You might have issues that you need to vent even as you think about this, and that's okay. You might also be hearing this from a place of um, not yet, um, this salvation story is not yet your salvation story. So uh, it might feel like I'm not talking to you this morning. You know, like, what are you talking I'm, I'm not going to do this, Mark. I don't, I'm not on... I'm still just trying to figure things out, and, and that's okay, too. That's, that's natural. We want that a part of this as well. In fact, your voice might even be more important during this time than any because we need to know um, what it's like as people, as God draws people to this story. We need to hear from you, too. So <clears throat> the leadership team also wanted me to make available this personal prayer for this season in your worship guide right here, and we're actually going to print it on cards and have it available next week and the weeks that follow in the back. So this is how we hope to resource you in following this. You might find this to be a helpful daily prayer. Let me close this time of reflection with this. Let us pray. To the God who sends his people into the world, we have often been in troubled places, and you met us through someone else. Please bring your love now to others through us. Wake us up to the people you have placed in our lives. They are our neighbors, family, co-workers, classmates, and acquaintances. They are residents and refugees, Republicans and Democrats, adults and children, gay and straight, homeowners and homeless, blue-collar and white-collar, Hear us as we begin praying for specific people. Give us eyes to see your activity. Surprise us by your power to soften hearts. Give us confidence and conviction to know our minor role. Lead us to love people today in a way that supports their path towards someday knowing you and calling you their God. May this grow our faith and grow the community of City Life Church. In the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen.